ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Oki Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Oki Podcast. And on today's episode, I have another amazing guest uh, in pro wrestling. He's known as the First Nation Sensation. He is the co-owner of New Initiative Kissick with Reconciliation and Sport. My guest for today is Wavel Starr. How's it going, Wavel? What's up, Russell? How you doing today, man? I'm doing really good, bro. Thank you so much for uh, just coming on the show and just talking about, you know, all the things you've done and the things you're doing right now, man. I'm and really we can't excited. talk about all of it. We'll, we'll talk about whatever we can for the audience, but we can't talk about all of it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey. Man, well, thanks a lot, bro, man. I know we've been planning this for a while and some yeah. things happened, but shoot, here we are. All in good timing. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, things happen. I'm the same way. Like, like I, I, I like to have a plan in life. I like to have a plan. But if something comes up, man, you just gotta, gotta readjust. That's all. You gotta, gotta adapt, right? You can't just go by the plan all the time. And that leads us right into the very first wrestling point. <laughs> I was, so I, I came from the old school, right? So I, I was, uh, I was trained by the Stampede Wrestling, uh, Stu Hart's Dungeon. And eventually by Rip Rogers. And what we learned was to be able to just go out there and what we do it, we call it, we do it uh, off the cuff or on the fly. So if you, if you got someone that you feel real comfortable with, you don't have to prepare, you don't have to plan anything out. You just go out there and work, right? Um, nowadays, you don't see a lot of that because it, it's kind of an old, it's an old school thing, right? Uh, but I got that, man. That's why we're able to just come on here and talk without having to prepare too much. <laughs> <laughs> i know man it's always a good thing too like yeah. comfortability it's a big thing and i enjoy that <laughs> yeah for sure man you just got to be able to adapt you know and like in pro, in pro wrestling what what they used to say is if you got a plan and you go out there and like these kids that go out and they stru- structure their match everything like a dance right and they memorize the thing and they go out there and they're just trying to remember okay we lock up take the arm go around shoot them off tackle drop down leapfrog block the hip toss backslide okay what 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 so they're going out there and they're that they're literally going through this in their head instead of engaging with the crowd and that's really what it's about so you'll see that what what i feel is that the younger generation of wrestlers are so awesome athletically but if you look back at a performer like say like a hulk hogan Mm -hmm. simple right you don't see hulk hogan leave his leg leave his feet too much right but but he looks up he looks up and he plays to the entire stadium he's not playing to a crowd of like Bush League wrestling where there's 30 people in a high school gym or, a, or a, an armory, right? He's, he's playing larger than life. And he's in this the largest stadium in the world. And instead of looking at the people at ringside, he's looking up at the farthest person farther, farther away, way, way up in the cheap seats. And that's what it's all about, being larger than life. That's where the magic comes from because pro wrestling is art and there's a whole bunch of magic that has to be there. Uh, nowadays, the magic is, it's, it's a lot different because back in the day, remember, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of a term called kayfabe, but that mm-hmm. basically meant there was a, uh, a code amongst the performers where we would not let anybody outside of the industry know that it was pre-choreographed or scripted or whatever the word is, but it's not, it's, it, it's people say it's fake. It's not quite fake. It's scripted. Definitely. And, uh, 
man, it took a while to really figure that out, but pro wrestling really applies to so much in life. And maybe as we go forward, I'll tell you a little bit more, but it's exactly the same, man. Uh, I, go, I do the corporate grind. I do the corporate grind now. And, uh, just a different character, just a different character with different lines, man. <laughs> man, that's super dope, bro, man. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get into all that. Um, man, before I lose, um, thought, well, bro, can you, you know, tell the listeners, um, you know, where you're from, how, you know, um, what was growing up like, and then what kind of just led into everything that, you know, you, you got in, you've been in getting into and what, where it's got you now. So, yeah, man. So, uh, right now I'm in Regina and I consider this where I'll be pretty much, pretty much <laughs> just, I'm, I'm here, you know, I, I got a child, uh, he's a man child now he's 16 years old and he's actually bigger than me. Uh, he's, uh, yeah. So, and he's, uh, just learning how to lift weights and I didn't really learn how to lift weights until, you know, going into grade 12. So he's a little bit ahead of me. And so I, I enjoy being a father and, uh, being a hockey dad all this time, but it's a little bit different now because he's 16, he's got his license and he's going to be driving himself to practices and stuff. So definitely going through a little bit of a shift and, uh, especially over these last two pandemic winters, it was just so odd because really. Uh, on the one side, I'm doing the pro wrestling. On the on the other side, you know, hockey dad. And like literally, like literally, there were times where I would be like, try. I'd wrestle in uh, Edmonton on a Friday night or something, and you know, drive drive back all night frantically to make it because there's a hockey tournament in some small Cairnport or something like that, right? So it's really weird. It's really weird. Like you go from almost one extreme to the other, like, you know, from being in the, cause it's, it's, it's a surreal life, man. It's different. It's different uh, being a pro wrestler. And that's why I got into it because like, you know, growing up in Prince Albert, Saskatoon and Regina, just a Saskatchewan boy, man. And I just wanted to see the world. And when I got involved in pro wrestling, it was like, I had this portal to a different world. I had access to a different world that I didn't have access to before I got into business. And uh, especially, you know, driving back and forth. But this is before cell phones, right? Mm -hmm. So it was it was way different. It was like I had my, my home life here in Regina where I was working and going to the gym and all that. And then, you know, on a Friday, I'd be, you know, at the Calgary uh, Victoria Pavilion, and then, you know, walking into Earl's with uh, British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, and watching, you know, the heads were just turning, like neck, necks were breaking. I walked in with Davy Boy, not for me, not for me. I was just, I was walk, walking behind him, and I just saw everybody in Earl's, like it's just it kind of a, I don't know if you guys have Earl's there, but it's, it's kind of a nice, uh, cool, popular restaurant that people go to for drinks and, and stuff like that on a Friday or Saturday night or whatever. And after the Stampede Wrestling card, like I happened to show up at the same time as him and walked in with him into the Earl's, man. And it was like following Elvis Presley. And I was like, yeah, I got into the right business. Like, it was just like, like I mentioned, you know, and, and then I drive home on Sunday and by Monday I'm back at work and back to the back to the grind you know what i mean but yeah that is so much so much appeal uh early on in my career was just that like it was almost felt like a double life and i don't mean that in a bad way or in a in, in a, or in a trying to be sketchy way i just mean like i really had this other side where, where like it's almost like a really exclusive club you know mm -hmm. what i mean like a really exclusive club that not everybody's allowed on the inside and then once you're inside it's just like everyone's cool so definitely lots of cool times and and um you know, it's a little bit weird. There's kind of a, 
I don't know how, how to explain it there, whatever the, the whatever there's a contrast there, right? Because I'm indigenous, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, let's not forget it. I'm a pro wrestler and all, but I'm indigenous, right? So, you know, sometimes in the locker rooms, there were times where a couple things would be said, but you know, in wrestling, it's not just indigenous. Wrestling, I, I always say, is the epitome, uh, you know, the perfect model for diversity and inclusion. Because you think back in the day, we had Nikolai Volkov, the Russian, right? The Iron Sheik, you know, the, the evil Sheik. And, uh, you know, the, the, the American blonde babyface, the hero, uh, Hulk Hogan, right? And, and then we had, you know, like Tatanka and uh, Kamala, the Ugandan giant. And it was just this traveling circus almost, right? And, uh, but amongst that, you get this uh, brotherhood. You get a real brotherhood where almost uh, racist, like, well, not with everybody, not with everybody. Uh, of course, there'd be people that you don't get along with, but for the most part, you get on a good crew, you're, you'll defend them before you'll defend lots of other people, or uh, you say anything shitty about them, I got something shitty to say to you type thing, you know? Uh, but lots of good friends, lots of good friends, definitely uh, the, the, the coolest, you know, just having lots of, lots of friends from different backgrounds. Um, so many good athletes, especially when I went down to Louisville, Kentucky. And, uh, you know, I, was, I, I went down there and uh, I had spent a lot of time playing sports. Like I, I played, started playing hockey when I was five. And then you name it. You name it. I pretty much played everything. And I don't know, it's, I don't know if it's because I got a chip on my shoulder, bro. I got a chip on my shoulder all my life and uh, I've, I've, I played everything and I wanted to do the best, you know, and, well, and I never figured it out until now, right? <laughs> the residential school shit and all that, right? Kind of mm-hmm. things get handed down intergenerational. And, okay, I get it. I'll get it. It's all right. Don't need to be so hard on myself, but, <laughs> yeah. but you know what I mean, man? Like as the guy in gym class, you know, like wave will, wave will, don't, you know, don't, don't try so hard. This is just a game for fun or, you know, things like that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, I, I just, I, I always loved watching Stampede Wrestling when I was a kid. I watched it with my Kokum and my Mushum. That's a grandma and grandpa here in Cree, in Regina at the Exhibition Auditorium. And it, it was a real big thing. Uh, they came here every Tuesday. And that's kind of why I do my Wrestlers Roundtable podcast every Tuesday, just to kind of have some sort of a connection to the old school wrestling. Cause I really miss that. I really miss watching that. Uh, and I'm glad that I was able to get in on it, man. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then, um, so when did you start getting into like actually doing wrestling? Yeah. So, uh, I, a kid, I was uh, growing up watching it. I loved it. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I was playing football. So I built a Tom Trojans. Uh, did you know that I was an all-star offensive tackle at 168 pounds? No way. Yeah. What? Yeah, man. See, I was, uh, I, <laughs> you know, I'm probably paying, paying for it now, right? Paying for it now because I do definitely there's some concussion issues from uh, our, uh, from back in the hockey days and for sure the football days. Uh, but, yeah, 168 pounds uh, offensive tackle. I could hit, man. And that's, that's where that chip on my shoulder came from, you know. It's just and I, even in practice. Mm-hmm. Even in practice, I, I remember, and then I tell my kid this, you know, and I was like, you know, I remember when I was in grade 11, I remember when I was in grade 11, I would be there and, and we would go to hitting drill and I'd say, I, I need to make an example of a grade 12. And that was it. Like, I, I'm, I'm going to pick a grade 12. I'm going to make an example. I'm going to kill him. And, you know, <laughs> like in hitting, sorry, man, I know it sounds, it sounds sad or pretty rough, but this is football, man. Is it back yeah. then? It was, it was, 
it's way different. The culture of sports, the locker room culture was way different too, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm in the middle of all that. So even with all that crazy racism and crap that was going on, it's just I think people respected the fact that I was kind of crazy and I could knock the crap out of people and at 168 pounds, right? With all these guys, because the offensive tackle is like a, a larger, like the guys that look like bouncers. You see them bouncing in bars and strip clubs. Those are the... Those are the offensive linemen, and uh, yeah, so it was my, my, the chip on my shoulder was uh, helped me help me through that, and uh, yeah, man. And then so after after grade twelve, like I was like, okay, I need to play some more football. So I I, uh, I played for the Regina Rams for five years, <clears throat> and ended up getting three Canadian national championships out of that, and three times into the Saskatchewan Sports Hall of Fame, and uh, one time we were coming home. Uh, where was it Montreal coming home from Montreal I think and we were at the uh at the airport in Calgary and I told the boys and they were having some drinks <laughs> and we were laying over you know we're coming home after the big game right and they were having some drinks and we, and we were stuck at the Calgary airport for a couple hours or whatever right and, uh-huh. I, and I said hey boys I'm gonna call Stu Hart no you're not oh yeah you call him and I and I seriously I just went I went to the the pay phone <laughs> Okay, boomer. <laughs> so no, but I went to the payphone, opened it up, right? Calgary, City of Calgary. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. Sure enough, Stu Hart. His phone number's in the is in the phone book, man. Hey, hey. Pick it up. Uh, <clears throat> hello. Hey, uh yeah, is is, is this Stu Hart? Uh yes. Yes it is. Uh who's calling? Hey Stu, my name is Wavel Star. Uh, I'm a I'm a First Nations person from from Saskatchewan. I'm 22 years old, and uh, I'm a linebacker. And I've been a big wrestling fan ever since I was a kid. And uh, I'd really like to come in and do some training. And the, and I was serious, but the guys behind me were like, you know. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Yeah, well, that's interesting. Uh, well, uh, who did you used to watch when you're uh, wrestling? And uh, tell me, tell me, you're uh, First Nations, are you? That's uh, it, yeah. First Nation, it's a good thing to have in wrestling, uh, Wavell. <laughs> you know, so he kept me on the phone, man. He kept me on the phone, and, he, and like he just, I just kept firing questions at him. So honestly, it was kind of then because it was a joke to me, right? Like I was like, a, I was just like, yeah, 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 let's phone. Like a, you know, sure enough, there I got, got him on the phone. And once we start talking, and he was actually talking to me, I was like, wow, Stu took my call, you know. And and maybe it was because I said we were at the airport coming home from the Canadian Bowl Championship, and I'm a football player or, or whatever. Um, but for whatever reason, he, he didn't hang up on me, and uh, it, it's, it kept uh, I kept that impression for quite a while. And then, when I was done playing football in 1995, there was a local group that started up, and they were called Hardcore Wrestling, uh, and they were uh, pretty much self-taught. But they uh, they went and they ran a show, and my dad went and he told me that it was that they packed the packed the auditorium that Stampede used to run. So I was like, yeah, really? So I went down there and, and sure enough, they, they're getting a huge crowd in the old auditorium and just sitting there in the old auditorium, like that auditorium had energy, man. It has ghosts, spirits, like wrestling spirits. You could see them, hear them. I swear. Damn. Yeah, because I swear, man. I swear it was awesome. I love that place. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, cool. that, that's, that's the coolest venue ever, man. That one and the one uh, Calgary Stampede Wrestling where they used to do it, uh, their TV program. I got to wrestle in, in both of those venues, man. And uh, I tell you, 
I like the, the time that I wrestled in uh, Calgary at the Victoria Pavilion showed up super early, man, like early in the afternoon, mm-hmm. just because I want to enjoy the day. And like, and like we were talking before, I don't like to rush. Yeah. Right? So I got yeah. there nice and early, man, so I could get a good parking spot and get inside and find, you know, put my bag in a nice spot and say hi to everybody and have lots of time to, you know, enjoy see, visiting. That That's one of the main things I like about wrestling is like, I don't like rushing and showing up right before the show and getting with the person that you're wrestling with and rushing through your shit so you can go out there and wrestle. I like to get there nice and early and talk to people. And there's people that I haven't visited for a long, especially now that I'm older. I want to see, you know, how's your kid doing, man? Are your kids okay? Your wife is all right. Like everything's going, how are everything's going with you, you know? And mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, as, as I got older, as I, as I got older, the trips honestly became more about the camaraderie and, uh, and, and staying on the road. That's a tough one. That's a tough one to transition out of, man is uh, I imagine people that are in bands or, you know, power singers, power dancers or whatever that eventually have to slow down. It's a tough transition, man. That's a tough thing to do. Um, but finished my degree at the university here at the First Nations University of Canada and uh, ended up getting a job uh, in human resources with the government. Um, and I could say, seriously, I got that job because um, I could cut a promo. So going to a job interview is just like cutting a promo on TV, right? Just like we were talking about. It's a, it's a different character. So I was able to go in there and kind of talk my way that whole fake it till you make it thing. I uh, got myself a job in HR, uh, spent about 14. No, oh, how long was that? Yeah, man, 12, 13 years in corporate HR and finally just moved over to uh, indigenous relations a couple of years ago. So Doing the corporate grind, really, really doing the corporate grind, uh, but still trying to stay involved. And when the pandemic is over, uh, looking forward to trying to get something going that was similar to what I attended in Louisville. Because if I would have had that uh, when I was going, uh, when I was just starting, I could have got further faster. Like I could have got to the door of WWE when I was younger and I would have had some more years. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I could have cut that time down. Uh, because the style around here, basically guys were just te- teaching each other. Right. So they just show up and, Hey, I saw this cool move. Let's, you want to try it on me and I'll try this on you. Like it was literally kind of like that. Right. But when it was down in uh, OVW and stuff, it's like, just like a football practice. It's like everybody around the ring and the coach has a whistle and then they're doing drills. They eh? running through drills. <clears throat> so once I got used mm-hmm. to that, that that's when I got really good compared to the, just going out and winging stuff. Holy crap, man. Yeah, it's a cra- it's crazy, man. I love wrestling. I yeah. love I'm still involved. I'm still involved. I want to get something going. Uh, I, I I need to partner with somebody. Like I need I need people that have resources that can help me out because I got the concept and I got the. I, I know I know what I need is a building. I need a building where I can put a ring. Uh, mm-hmm. So of course I'll have to get a ring, but that's that's no problem. Um, but I need a building where I can put a ring. That would be uh, the building would serve two purposes. So the ring stays there. You can have your school right there. And then you could also have uh, your shows once a week so that your students could get experience. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really what you need. Like you, you need a building with the ring and a class. So you, and that's the way uh, all of the good territory started off, like Stampede Wrestling. Same thing. When I went down there, they had their own class of, of, of guys from the dungeon. And, uh, and then they just kind of stacked it up with, with guys from the, and I was one of the stacks, right? So, so that caused a few issues when I first got there. 
at Stampede, right? Because these are the boys that started there from day one, and these are the boys that tear down the ring and set it up and put up the fucking posters and, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? And mm -hmm. I'm in Regina, and I just come in for the TV on the Friday, and it's kind of not fair, right? And I get it. I get it. Like, But, but you know, hey, man, I'm sorry. I'm here. I got an opportunity. I'm going to take the opportunity, too. And uh, <clears throat> so I took it. I took it, but it, it was no—it was no harder than uh, being in the Regina Rams locker room. And like I said, I was always good. I was always able to fit in with groups, like you know, I was like a chameleon or whatever. I'm fine. Mm -hmm. um, so at first, they tried to test me a little bit, uh, but I, you know, I, I, it was okay with me. I, I, I passed the test, and then right after that, everybody's bros, everybody's best friends. But there were some tests right off the bat. I, I remember, and Spencer is a good friend of mine. If he ever sees this, I'll tell—I'm going to mention it to him. He's a—he's a manager, right? Mm -hmm. manager so that's uh, that's key he's a manager and i'm a wrestler right and we're doing an interview and even though it's like my first interview like a bruce called hey wait what we need you to do a promo okay so i went and i lined up and i'm like just getting ready to do this and i'm just gonna do it off the cuff i don't have anything planned or whatever i'm just gonna feel it out and me and this manager spencer we went out there and we, we started our doing our shit and then he's in my face and then all of a sudden he fucking slaps me what as, so I slapped him right back, right? It was like, and then it was. Then he went cut, 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 because like he wasn't expecting me to slap him back, <laughs> uh -huh. right? Like, and, and here's the thing. Here's the, this is the funny thing, which is wrestling is like the trickster spirit, man. So he was told by Bruce, oh, you just slap him across the face and like subordinate, insubordinate, and you know. <laughs> like talked them all up, like like you know, like expecting that that I was just gonna let them slap me. So we're, mm. we're debating, and then I was like that, and it was literally I just and I, and I looked like that too, just like that. And he knew his, and he went, oh, cut, 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 cut. Hey, 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 hey bro, brother, brother. <laughs> and I was like, well, what, man? What, 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 what? But like, uh, you're a manager. I'm a wrestler. I'm not gonna let you punk me out. I'll, I'll kill you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, right. And so it was funny because Bruce, Bruce Hart kind of wanted to do it that way, kind of wanted to see if he could punk me out, right? And I wouldn't do it. And Bad News Allen, you ever hear Bad News Allen? Bad News Brown, he used to be called in the WWF. He is, he was huge, man, uh, African American fella. He used to call himself the Ultimate Warrior before the Ultimate Warrior was the Ultimate Warrior. Oh, really? And he used to wear the one black glove, right? He's like the, the radical, radical Black Panther sort of a gimmick. And uh, when when I when I started working as a heel or a villain, he really took me under his wing and kind of taught me how to work as a villain in a in a race based gimmick, because that's a touchy thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. That's a touchy thing, man. And you, it takes a special kind of person to be able to do that shit. There's a I won't say the name of it, but there's a town where uh, now, like when I think back of my entire career, it always stood out as the most racist show that I ever worked at because you got to remember I'm uh shit man I, I, I had long hair uh, you know all buffed up and football player and big stud man 225 pounds and wrestling in Hicktown right mm -hmm. Hicktown and I'm supposed to be a good guy and these these kids like well not kids like rowdies like between you know 23 to 27 or whatever mm -hmm. rowdies are just like chirping me hard racist stuff hey and uh i was like really and i was wrestling my friend my, my friend's name is ruffy and he could see that it was getting to me right 
And uh, <clears throat> I said, Ruffy, throw me out. I said, throw me out. Like I put myself at like where in position. I said, throw me out so that he just had to throw me out. Right. Mm. I said, come get me. And I, and I gave myself lots of room. Like I staggered back and I just said, come get me. And I said, throw me into those guys. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, see, you so much. Come get me. He grabs my arm and just like, you know, like when you whip a guy off the ropes, like when they, when they do that whole, that thing. Mm-hmm. So he ran me from one end, like by the ring rope, but sorry, by the ring post, right to the other ring post, full speed. And, <laughs> and I hurled myself into those kids like a, a like a, like a bowling ball, man. Uh-huh. Oh, took them out, eh? <laughs> <laughs> but I knew, I realized, man, shit, that could have been real bad. Like yeah. I, I blew it, man. I lost it. You know, like, yeah, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, fuck. And when you get to that, you're like, okay, shit. Am I going to get sued? Am I going to get arrested? Like, that's, that's pretty bad, man. Like, if you do that for Vince, you're fired, right? Mm-hmm. So I, like, I, I lost it. That was like, that was super, super unprofessional. But everybody understood. Everybody understood because they were, they were, I'm not, wasn't going to back down. And, you know, like I, I took them out and, and, you know, they didn't, nobody said anything. They must've known, like, at least they just took it that no one mm-hmm. said, Oh, I'm going to tell the cops or anything. Like they just took it. And I just like, boom. And, and like I said, man, I was a football player. Right. So, mm-hmm. and, and they're just sitting there. Like I'm coming. I like, I got like literally like a 15 foot run, 225 pounds, like very low body fat, pissed off. Right. Yeah. <laughs> raging linebacker coming at these kids and, <laughs> and yeah but like i said man right away it was like oh shit kind of this kind of almost scared but can't look scared because mm-hmm. what's gonna happen like or, or what if they all just decide to pile on me like what like so the, the, in the old school in the old school the boys would 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 come out they pile out and i do believe in that day if that would have happened, that our locker room full of white guys, Asian guys, a couple African Canadian guys, we would all banded together and we would just put our backs together and just start swinging. And it's, it's happened before. It's happened before. Not as much nowadays, uh, but early, early in my, early in my career, that, that kind of stuff used to happen. Um, now that, it, that that I've grown older, I remember someone told me that there is a uh, clan, the, the clan, the KKK, mm-hmm. apparently is from around where I was wrestling. Oh, really? So now I put it all together. I was like, holy shit. No wonder they were so harsh. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking, holy fuck, that's pretty... It's pretty man like the to think like the the youthful like i'm lucky man i i'm, I'm lucky like yeah like I, I do think when i found out what would you know what with the what belonged in that area then then i i just really the things i don't know when i was a kid man i wasn't exactly. a young kid you know i was probably like still in my mid-20s or whatever but mm-hmm. Yeah, just for, just it, full of aggression, man. And I still kind of have that, right? I still do have that chip on my shoulder. I do my best to try and manage it. And, uh, you know, sometimes sometimes it gets a little bit overwhelming. Um, but for the most part, I've learned how to uh, manage it so that it's a, it's a, a positive for me. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
Man, that's wild. Man. <laughs> Fuck. Heavy, man. No, serious. Like, when you think about that, like, after the match, like, I was just quiet. I was quiet uh, because I knew, like, you need to let your emotions settle after that because, mm-hmm. like, I never had a, never had a moment. It's where we just, you know, you, it gets rough and you just start stiffing each other up, we call it. Like, you know, you take a potato right in the eye or whatever. Oh, you give him one right back in his eye. Or, <laughs> you know, things like that with the boys, it, with the boys, it, it's uh, things are cool like that. But I've never had anything like that where uh, the crowd actually took me to that point. And as I got older, uh, as I got older, it became easier where uh, I could sit in the middle of a, like I had the tornado man Winnipeg I wrestled once at a bar uh in Winnipeg called Georgie's uh it's right on Portage kind of a rougher place back then and uh I went out there and at the booker at that time told me you know Wavell this is a bar it's a rougher part of town you're visibly indigenous everybody knows I think we should just beat them to it okay so all of a sudden that night I was I went like but prior to that I was a baby face the good guy mm-hmm. that night won't heal and I'm gonna beat him to it because they're good so you understand what's going on right there's, he's, he's saying the environment that you go out there's no way that they're gonna cheer for you so let's just go with it just go with what's there and what's there is that they're gonna do you mm-hmm. and uh sure man sure I so I came up with some stuff and it uh <laughs> this is a different day and age man like if there ever was an indian andrew dice clay or something like that for for the night that was me man oh yeah it was, uh, it, yeah yeah it was harsh it was harsh <laughs> <laughs> it was harsh and and then i did i you know i've i've had i've had one uh vhs tape from the night because uh, someone recorded it mm-hmm. and the, I thought I kept it all these years and I thought I'm, uh, I can't one of these nights I'm going to watch it but I always knew that it was I don't want to wreck the moment the memory you know what I mean so I just like I never I never went and got it because needless to say like like needless to say uh I like I was told by Don Callis right after that he said that is the greatest promo of any wrestler I have ever cut heard cut anywhere and I got that on tape that one I got on tape because it, it, it was on that where I walked backstage right after the promo and he came up to me and he told me that Don Callis, he's a promoter for uh, Impact Wrestling uh, right up till recently. And now he just signed with AEW. He's uh, uh, doing an angle with uh, Kenny Omega, who, of course, is uh, one of the best in the world. I believe he's one of the champions at uh, champions at uh, AEW. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I got to wrestle him early on in his career as well, you know, so it's pretty cool on that on that same in that same kind of era. Uh, I have some footage of me like pinning Kenny, Kenny Omega with my finisher, like one, two, three, <laughs> like, just leaving him in the middle because he was young, right? Because everybody when yeah. you're the young, when you're the young baby face, you, you kind of that's your job for the, the the veteran heels, you know, the older heels locker room veteran heels. So that was me at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, uh, that was when I was doing a lot of WWE stuff. So kind of in kind of higher than him on the pecking order at that time. Not at all now. <laughs> <laughs> he's like considered one of the best in the world now. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, uh, he's, I didn't know he was along or, well, I guess I have to consider that, you know, everybody has been wrestling for a very long time. 
you know yeah and it takes a long time to get to anywhere i guess you know you just have to stick it out and 10 years you know, is what they say yeah 10 years unless you're a guy like tatanka tatanka got there in like one year oh really <laughs> yeah man oh, yeah. wow well he went to a wrestling school and he just looked like a million bucks right mm-hmm. so he just had the potential and uh vince signed him up and put him on the road and he he developed I got to tag with Tonka a few times. It was pretty cool. He's nice I saw guy. that. I saw that on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, man. There's a few clips, and then there's another clip where um, I saw you with Tajiri. Yeah. Yeah, and then I that was, was my like, favorite match in the. I was, was getting it? a lot of matches in the WWE, man. Where where I was starting to feel like you know, like it was kind of a kind of felt like a routine, you know, like walk in, say hi to everybody, go to catering, have my meal. Put away some of the expensive food for later because i'm not used to that shit. go grab yeah. some wrist tape so i because they got the wrist tape and a couple things of chiclets maybe some advil you know they got all the fancy shit there right in wwe <laughs> right? you just go what do they got in here yeah i got some cold medication i got some uh, some tape i'll take uh, some advil uh what do you got here I, you know, like just go just grabbing because i'm backstage right <laughs> but but you know I, 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 was, I was lucky enough because I didn't do that right away. I, I learned, I, I was taught, you know, and I was given the heads up that when you go there, make sure that you show your respect and demonstrate and make sure don't get comfortable. Do not get comfortable. And I didn't do that for the longest time. And eventually when I had some good matches and people could see that I deserved the job, but I, it just would never was getting the contract to me. Like it, I was, they would respected me, man. Like they knew they had like, and I remember, I remember Arn Anderson one time asking me, he, he was getting out of the shower and I was just getting ready to leave. And he said, uh, uh, did you get a job kid? So meaning that he was kind of around hearing them talk. Right. And uh, after that match with Tajiri, man, fucking Vince McMahon was waiting for me. Swear to God. When I came through, you know, yeah, you know, see where the wrestlers come through that, like, right, they hear their music and then they come out at the top of the ramp. Mm -hmm. There's that little curtain there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Right behind that curtain, there's like, it it goes up and there's like a great big table and they have a couple of people with monitors there uh, and and headphones, headsets, and and they communicate with the refs and the music people and and all that, right? Mm -hmm. And Vince. And he was, and I just walked backstage. (sighs) Oh. Oh, Vince, we will start. <laughs> yeah, very good. Very good. Uh, uh, that was a very good match. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, where, uh, where, where have you been working, Wavell? Uh, I've just been down in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, uh, working for Jimmy Dunner. Oh, very good. Very good. So that was the closest I ever got, man. I was ser- seriously, when I got home, I was like, okay, phone's going to ring. Packing my bag. Pretty soon I'm out of here. I don't know where, but I'm out of here. But it just never happened, man. So, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least you were like, you know, kind of there, you know, like, yeah, I watched that. It was a Sunday night heat, wasn't it? Yeah, man. Well, here's the thing everything happens for a reason, you know, and I do have a very compulsive personality. And I was able to get into a lot of mischief and trouble with without having a lot of resources, aka money. <laughs> so, so, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I had a good time. Um, but I think maybe at that point in my life, probably wouldn't have done well if I was, had a lot of money sitting around and, you know, not much else to do other than travel. Because those guys don't sit still, right? It's a different life. They're like traveling carnies. And I, it's not like I'd be like a John Cena or a Brock Lesnar that only comes in WrestleMania or Royal Rumble. Like I, I would have been one of the, like the meat, right? 
beef, cattle, <laughs> you're out there on the road, Carney, right, full time. So I would have been one of those guys uh, if I would have been in that spot. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I, I really wanted to do it. But, you know, like I said, things happen for a reason. And, uh, I, you know, honestly, I, I really don't feel like like I really like uh, I'd say within the like, like last three years until where, where I really started to um, get comfortable with with uh, with where I am and, and where I'm coming from, what I years. Um, I've had a drop alcohol in a year and a half. And uh, prior to that, um, you know, in football, in football days and uh, the wrestling days, uh, you know, they go out with the boys and stuff like that. Well, that's different. That was fun. That was good fun. But uh, but when I, when I got older, you know, my, my dad was going through some health problems and, you know, saw his health deteriorating in front of my eyes. And, you know, uh, that when you start like that's when, you know, that's when you know that, okay, well, this more like self-medicating with the boys right so it's like hey no got to uh i didn't like that because it's not you're not like when you're going through trauma and and you're uh you're mourning when you're mourning the loss of a a loved one you know even when they haven't passed away you're already kind of started that grieving process because they're because you know it's coming right so you know it, it was right around then where you know i i think at that point it was too much to manage and uh eventually i just i you know i just fuck this man i'm done and i just i did and it just and and you know in the past i thought about it um but it's never really thought that i ever really needed to you know what i mean it was like you kind of always part of the locker room culture always part of the corporate culture if like if you work for a you know a, whatever an office job and you're out uh, you know out of town or something like what do they everybody do they check into the hotel and they go for a beer in the bar in the basement or whatever right Mm-hmm. So it's just like so culturally accepted, kind of like, uh, well, not indigenous culture, but I mean, like, it's in a lot of places, it's so accepted, right? And you can really find yourself on that slippery slope uh, really fast. And when I got myself there, and then I just had, you know, I had to pull myself back and say, okay, man, fuck this, get some control and focus and get that out of your life and start, start getting stronger instead of, um, instead of just uh allowing myself like that was a hard thing watching my dad go through that right but i was like okay man you gotta like this is realistic you you gotta you gotta come back right you can't just let what's that term in creed they say uh that means uh persevere like you can't stop no matter what man you gotta get up you gotta get up in the morning and if you need a cup of coffee have your cup of coffee but you gotta get up and you gotta get productive and that's a lot easier to do when you when you get rid of lots of toxic things. And it's not just like a booze or alcohol or, or food or or whatever. It's even your mindset, right? It's your mm-hmm. mindset. You could have a toxic mindset, and uh, that can hold you back as well. And uh, I think I think it's it's it, in wrestling. You sure see a lot of personalities, and uh, you, you know you kind of learn that there are some toxic personalities out there. And I look at some of the the older wrestlers. Um, and even some that were around my age um, that really went off the rails, you know, that I, th- I, I, I don't want to say, I won't say a name, but uh, he developed an opioid addiction. And uh, you know, when I was in the States, like the, those guys could order it. Like, the, like here, you got to go to get it from a doctor and stuff in Canada, right? 
Mm -hmm. But I remember down there, the like the the boys were just ordering the shit on the internet, right? Damn. Yeah, man. And I remember, so yeah, I I I had been away from that because I came home in around two hundred and two thousand five or whatever six something like that. And I just remember reading the headlines and uh, buddy had uh, fucking held up a pharmacy. And I was like, whoa. And he was kind of uh, like a locker room leader. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, kind of like a locker room leader and kind of a veteran. And it's like, he had a, he was a father. And, you know, it was, it, it, he really had it together when, when I, when I saw him and then to see that, I was like, whoa, shit, you see what can happen, you know? And, uh, you know, that's pain, uh, pain pills and addiction and the opioids and wrestling, man, huge problem. And gotta admit, I was, I was one of those guys, but, but, you know, it, I never got addicted, uh, to, to the pills, like where I would like have to keep taking them or whatever, but I definitely got to the point where I wasn't scared to take a Percocet or uh, Oxycontin or whatever for, you know, whatever it is. Uh, if you get hurt, because you get a lot of injuries in, in pro wrestling. And I remember one time I got a bad enough of, of an injury where I did needed a script of Oxycontin. And I took it for one month. And I remember when it was getting to the end of the bottle thinking, I got to get another bottle. And that's not good, man, when you're thinking that. And, you know, and do you say that out loud to people? Or do you just make a mental note? Or do you just go fucking ask for another bottle? <laughs> right so I, I said hey doc let's go one more bottle even though like i probably should have probably should have figured out earlier and just okay we'll taper off maybe maybe just take one every second day and one every morning or whatever right so, mm -hmm. but you know i went and got my, my my second bottle so i took it for two months uh, that was the worst i ever got was to uh, oxycon by by prescription and i wasn't taking more than what was prescribed but you don't need to you do like <laughs> that is so man so mm -hmm. two months on oxycontin and like by the end of that is okay I, i'm done like no more right now i got a exit strategy let's get off this and so i got off of it i got off of it but you know what i didn't feel right for like a, a, at least a month five six weeks like you could just feel the the it's like poison it's a toxic poison you just feel it the after effects of it until until it's gone you know so yeah. i can you know, and, and I do remember seeing guys. I remember bringing in, uh, I don't want to say names. I, I don't, I'll never say names because these are my bros, right? Mm -hmm. But I, remember I brought someone in for a wrestling show of mine. And uh, <clears throat> sitting in the dressing room. And I, I disappeared for a while so I could go do this and that and make sure that the sponsors had things in line. And, you know, just doing management things, right? Not even worrying about my match yet because I got promoting stuff to do. And then, uh, you know, when I went to, <clears throat> caught up with him, he had his stuff on and he was fucking sweating, man. It's like face and his forehead were just covered in sweat. And I was like, oh, then it made me think, oh, shit, he flew. So if he doesn't have a prescription, he wasn't able to bring any, right? So mm -hmm. he's probably fiending. And it, it was like visibly, man, like you could like fucking sweating, like, like wearing a towel, you know? Like wearing a towel over his head, you know, and I was like, whoa, pretty bad, man. So, yeah, like I said, I, I had that, that one experience uh, with the Oxycontin for two months. And I, after that, I was like, hey, no more of that. 
and uh, you, I, I, I'd have to be pretty hurt to take like uh, any sort of a, a pain pill now, other than like an Advil. Um, but see, when I got my, I've had two hernia surgeries. Um, so the last time that I had it, I said no, uh, no Percocet or no Oxy take uh, like Tylenol threes, right? So I did that for a bit, for as minimum time as I could, uh, because this stuff makes you feel like shit and you constipated and all that. So I was done right after that. And then uh, only, you know, only from the surgeries. So I'm lucky that way, man. I'm lucky that I didn't stick around it because like I said, like if, if it's part of the culture and you're around it, like, I mean, you could just, it's all around you, right? It's all around you. Everybody yeah. else is doing it. Your friends are, you, you know, and, and like, <laughs> shit, man, here's a good one. No, I don't, this is not a good one. It's a bad one, but fuck, it's wrestlers laugh at it. Um, so when you're on the road, and you're going for a few days, like maybe you got some Advil, maybe you got some caffeine tablets, uh, maybe you got some vitamin C's or whatever, but you don't want to take all your separate little bottles, right? So you take, you, you put them in, in one bottle and, you know, you can kind of figure out what it is. If I need a caffeine tablet, it's the pink one. If I, you know, if I want a Advil, it's, a, you know, you just know because it says Advil on it or, or whatever it is, right? So, mm-hmm. so you got them in the little bottle. <laughs> this is bad, man. This is bad. So I remember I, I went and I grabbed my bottle and I went like that to 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 get the Advil or whatever, and, and a pill fell on the ground. <laughs> a pill fell on the ground, and one of the boys went, "What was it?" <laughs> God, <laughs> crazy business, man. Crazy business. So I've seen some shit yeah yeah i bet oh yeah God. man i have i've seen a lot of shit, you know and, and i feel yeah. uh i feel blessed i i'm glad that i that i got to see what i what i got to see and uh i have an idea and you know i'm, I'm here i am you know i don't drink and i uh, i'm up at five in the morning uh work my butt off all day get away to the gym i structured with what i eat and uh you know things are going well i, I do believe that uh, the whole key to getting through everything is discipline discipline and routine I get that from my dad and I don't know if that's because he was, uh, you know, in the militia or if it's a residential school thing or whatever it is, but you know, I like to have a plan, man. Like I do, I like in terms of the structure, sorry, I like to have structure. So, you know, not, there's not, not a very diverse range of foods. Uh, you know, I, I like to go to the gym. I like to work, uh, coach hockey, follow my kid around and watch him, play whatever he's playing but other than that i believe in living a simple life mm-hmm. and uh and and i can't and and it, like a lot of people like was like why do you always stay home come on could be so fucking boring let's go do this like no dude i'm good like a wrestler man like you what you guys do now i did that like like i squeezed like 20 years of, of that into like 10 years you know it's mm-hmm. like say it's like i don't i have no absolutely no like when like when like socializing getting out and about and and for sure you know all that like it it's not there man i like a simple life my favorite thing is a friday night after work coming home and staying home and it's like hey what do i do tonight and lately it's podcast man Mm -hmm. yeah right is is it not fun it's i love doing it man it's great you connect with people uh and it's a way to heal Cause you're, you're, yeah, yeah you right now, this is healing we're getting rid of all the shit and <laughs> letting you know what, what, what's happening over here, man, because nobody knows what happens in the world of a professional wrestler, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, other than, you know, the, the, there's a lot of hype about what you see on TV or the dark side of the ring. So 
But a lot of that is, is just so hyped up because people want to hear about it. People want to hear about the wrestler that went off the rails, like the Buff Bagwell. Like he uh, used to be such mm. a huge star, right? And then recently he was arrested for the second time and they showed his mugshot on TMZ and and yeah. uh, he, just, he was a mess, man. He's just not looking very good. And he's like, you know, it's to the point where they just can't handle that transition from that world to what's next. So I was kind of lucky that I never got fully settled in that world, right? Because when I was doing all the WWE shows and stuff like that, by that time, I was living in Regina. And, uh, you know, my son had just been born or was about to be born. Um, so, yeah, so, so I was at that point where I was just, you know, focusing on that. But beyond that, you know, I'm, I'm cool with just uh, simple life, man. It's all about the simple life. I, I just think... I think people um, people tend to think that the grass is always greener someplace else or that somebody's doing something that's better than what they're doing instead of just appreciating. If, if, you, if you feel okay just staying home all the time, fuck, stay home. Why not? If that's yeah. what you like doing, if that's where you function the best, then do that. You don't think that you have to go out for supper on Friday just because lots of other people do. Don't be a mark. <laughs> that's a word in wrestling that mark. we use. Like, yeah, don't be a mark. Don't be yeah. a mark. Like, it's like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm kind of broke. I only have $20 and I, I could really use it to spending it on something else, but I'm going to go out with my friends and have uh, spend it on a drink or whatever, you know? It's like, don't be a mark. You go to bed, spend your 20 bucks tomorrow, get some rest, go to the gym. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, 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 you know, I understand though that not, not everybody ever re- really gets to that because, because not, not, you know, people don't ever, not everybody gets to that to that point where they there's some excess there or where they feel like okay i'm done for good you know mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah when we're texting you said you were uh you you're uh sober now so congratulations Thanks, you know, man. when you were telling me that and um yeah bro it's like really like because i watch wrestling growing up like when i was a kid man yeah. wrestling was everything to us growing up you know wcw wwf attitude era oh like, man the best that was that was a time to watch it i believe it's just not the same now but you know like getting older man and seeing all these uh wrestlers that we all watched and everything and like the buff bagwell situation like i was like oh no like and it's just horrible to see like people shitting on them you know, like making fun of him and stuff for doing that. And it's like, bro, this is a human being. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just a sad situation where and I and I get where you talk about where wrestlers, they can't transition into what's next, you know, because yeah, I watched um, I never knew that was a thing until I watched Legends House. Do you remember that show on yeah, the network? You know, you know, what? honestly, I'd like I, I didn't really watch it, but I, I do. I do know what you're talking about. Yeah. And I, and then that's where Piper was saying, like, you know, I can't, I have to be this person, you know, I, and then somebody else was on that show and they were talking about, it's hard to leave this character and then focus on something else, you know, like, yeah. So that's the thing is the best characters are a real person just amplified. So mm -hmm. a lot, most people that are like, what you see is kind of what you get. Just, it's not as, as harsh. Mm. right so mm. so I, I i totally get that because it, it's kind of like after a while it's like you'd rather be your character the first mm. nation sensation isn't scared of anything yeah. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> right 
I, he never has to wait in line. You know, <laughs> here I am in Regina waiting for the fucking line at the bank and shit, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's just me. That's just me. Imagine if you were one of these guys, like the life that 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 they had, right? Like I said, like Davy Boy walking in, like just too, too. Mm. and you know, imagine the how how they would I imagine there's probably lots of skills that they wouldn't have had to develop because people would do shit for them, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's that's one of the things. The old school wrestling is really based on on carny shit, yeah. and and which is which is dishonesty, <laughs> right? So so here's my theory, man. Listen to this. You know all the bullshit and all the all the tragedies. Like like uh, and uh, this my theory really is. Uh, so the like the the Von Erics and I don't want to say, but but other anybody that has all the tragedies, right? When when you think about that, okay, well. See, kind of been lying to people, kind of been stealing their money in a sense. Like you're 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 manipulating people out of their money is what you're trying to do in the old school, right? And it gets uh, it it's it's like so like there's people are so carny where they just can't stop, where they just can't stop, where where they're so used to like just carning their way through shit, you know, just, and, and we'd say, call it, say the big no cell. So a big no cell would be like, if I, you know, if I was walking past you and I fart and I just don't pretend, you know, just nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Right. I just walk by and no, it's, Oh, sorry. No, sorry. Oops. Or nothing. Just, a, and I don't acknowledge it. That mm-hmm. that's what the no cell is. And I think a lot of guys, a lot of guys do that. It's just like, no head in the sand, head in the sand. Don't really want to, get out of this because this is like look at rick flair mm-hmm. look at rick flair he had and look imagine that the hard time that he had like he had severe um uh confidence issues if you read his book and mm-hmm. you, you look back and already he had severe confidence issues because why because he believed he was that shit right the limousine riding jet flying kiss stealing son of a, whatever wheeling dealing that whole thing because mm-hmm. he believed that and he kind of was because they, if you watch that they were living the life man like they they weren't just staying in the hotels like where they were where the fucking wrestling show was they would like go do the loop to the wrestling show and then, and then like hot, jump on a plane and go to las vegas and they would like they would like post up in las vegas and just pri- private jet to shows and back so they would fly to the to the whatever the show was go work their ass off and then fly back to Vegas and party all night like rock stars. Wow. And they did that for years, man, years. So, and, and, and then like, you look at, uh, uh, like how he's dressed, like the shoes that he wears and the, the, the money that he spent on suits and stuff like that. Like that, mm-hmm. that's like, well, to podcast, you need a computer and a mic and a, and a, and a camera light well to be rick flair you need the expensive shoes and the, and the suit and the, and the limousines and the, so like you actually have to pay for the shit right so look at how many times has he been bankrupt right like you hear that these guys go through a lot of they blow through bucks like go blow through money like it's nothing mm-hmm. so so thankfully i've never been in that position because <laughs> <laughs> i tell you i could i could have blew through a hell of a lot of money at one point, I still could, I think, but now would be a, a lot different. Like, mm-hmm. like that, and I probably would just like stayed in a hotel. <laughs> like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go like move into a hotel, you know, just pay by the night, you know. <laughs> you know, my buddy uh, uh, Rene Dupree, I've got him coming on my uh, podcast on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and when I, he's a Canadian boy from uh, Quebec, 
uh, and uh, no, sorry, uh, New Brunswick, the Maritimes out there. Anyways, um, and when I was got down to Louisville, he was hanging around with me, and we, you know, we would chum around. And but he was in the WWE. I was just down on the in, in the developmental territory in in Louisville, but a lot of them had to still live there because they were expected to you know to show up uh, to the classes and stuff, and and that was just the way it went. So a lot of them that were new to the WWE still had to come with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, he he was he was really helpful. He was really helpful uh, when I when I got down there. And what I do remember was that, like, we would hang out after like he'd come to our TV show. And then we would all, you know, everybody would grab their junk food and get together and, you know, a few different, you know, the, the clusters of people would go to different places and, and gather. And and then at the end of like, he he would get a hotel room. Hey, can you give me a ride, Wavel? Yeah, sure. Where, where are you going? Uh, just take me to the hotel. He just like, seriously, just, just anytime you want, just go stay in a hotel. You know, like just no plan. Didn't, wasn't paying rent for a home or whatever, just staying in a hotel. Damn. <laughs> Man, right? <laughs> right? crazy crazy i couldn't even imagine i couldn't even imagine just saying like like not having a place and just like picking a different hotel or the same hotel or whatever you know yeah yeah that's crazy <laughs> yeah i i would like well you know all the money that i'm spending on a hotel maybe i could just get like at the very least you could go to extended stay one you know and then but no like literally like just a not a cheap hotel you know, sheraton you know checking in the sheraton every day or whatever sheraton cavalier in saskatoon expensive ones you know yeah. <laughs> anyways yeah no i never i never got to do that i was uh, i stayed in the suburban lodge when i was in louisville kentucky and if i stood in the right spot i could i could stand right in the kitchen the bedroom and the bathroom at the same time <laughs> it's like um i'm in every room in the house right now yeah <laughs> <laughs> Damn, bro. Well, let's talk about your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Tell yeah. Us about your so, podcast. Yeah. So I'm doing, uh, what night are we on? It's Wednesday, right? Mm-hmm. And so I've got uh, Friday night roll call. So I, I started doing Friday night roll call, which is talking with uh, powwow singers or powwow people. Uh, I had my debut uh, episode with Terry Paskman of the Blackstone Singers a couple of weeks back. And last week I had uh, Dallas Westcat and Fawn Wood. And this week I have Joe Rainey Sr. from the Midnight, Expre- Midnight Express Drum Group, as well as Henry Boss Carter P. from the Wild Horse Drum Group. Uh, then next weekend I have Dion, the first lead for Northern Cree. And then on Saturday I have Marlon Deschamps and Francis Green. <laughs> so this is this is cool, man. And I also hooked up with uh, 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 Ralph Morin from Walking Buffalo, renowned singer, song composer for a long time. Uh, so uh, I'll be having him as well. And those are really good. It's a really good way to ask what their opinions are uh, so that we can have some knowledge transfer for the younger folks, right? Because I think everybody's into social media and stuff like that. And it's a really good opportunity for people to discuss and pass on some of that information. Uh, mm-hmm. I also do uh, every Tuesday, I do one called the Rasslers Roundtable. Uh, coming up on this next Tuesday, June 15th, I have former WWE superstar Rene Dupree that I was just talking about. So uh, we will have some really cool stories from uh, back in Louisville. We're going to have a lot of fun with that one. And uh, I also do the the Wolves Den podcast uh, with Donnie Spadell and Mark Longjohn and Aaron Tatusis. We're all Saskatchewan guys. Uh, and we just talk about whatever's happening in the Indigenous community. And we do that on Sundays. 
So uh, those are what I do right now. It's all on Facebook Live. I am getting them downloaded to YouTube. But you know what? I find them getting more more traction on Facebook Live than I do from YouTube because uh, it's hard to get started. Hard to get started on YouTube. So, uh, but I am getting yeah. them all. Uh, I am getting them up on YouTube, and and I'll and I'll keep throwing them up here on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Snapchat, uh, Wavell Star. Same thing at everyone. Uh, hoping that I can connect with you again sometime, and maybe you'd like to come on my podcast sometime. Yeah, bro, I would love it. Yeah, oh, three podcasts. So, geez, Wavell, that's <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like that's a, awesome it's, though. Right, because there's the there's the powwow side of like I love I love I love powwow, right? Yeah. And then and then there, I gotta I gotta get some of my friends from the wrestling world out there, and so that uh, you know some of the indigenous folks could see some of the some of the cool people that I know, uh, mm-hmm. and they've got a lot to share as well, right? And then uh, yeah, and then of course I just like to I just have a big I have a big mouth, and I'm kind of at that age now, like you know I think we're all like that, right? Where we just kind of like let everybody make the opinions and. Now that at my age, like it's, I got an opinion now, and uh, and and I'll put it out there, and, and I'm okay with with the consequences if I, you know, like it's one of those things where eventually you just like, nah, I gotta say something, uh, and I'm one of those guys now. I I don't uh, I don't let shit slide so much, and it's not like I'm like, hey, do you want to fight? It's it's like it, you know, just someone says something, you know, that wasn't a very that wasn't very cool what you just did, you, you know, like. Confront, yeah. and this is why <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then do you, do you still sing well my kid my son cage does uh i follow him around and i'm a big fan of singing and and i and i sing here and there uh i took him out uh the boys out a few years back just to get them some repetitions basically because they were young and upcoming so they would you know probably well they wouldn't have gotten a spot with any of the any of the gunner drum groups so me and my cousin Kelsey took them out on the road and got them going and now they're gunners and they'll probably be uh singing with uh some other groups I know that they've uh that he's been talking with a couple of groups so that's good to know that he's got a couple of really good groups that he can sing with and that that I don't have to go full-time because I'm not honestly I'm not down to go full-time I got too much to do and I and Mm -hmm. you know what I uh when like if I go to a power I'll do the whole thing full-time like I'll show up for Friday stay right till the end and 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 do that um, but I don't want to do that every weekend. I got lots of other shit that I need to get done and then lots of stuff that I like to do. And the power is just, it's such a commitment. Uh, and, and, and I, and, you know, to the people that are able to do it, uh, I, I, I wish that, that I could still do it uh, at that level, but I'm old now and I got other stuff that I need to do, uh, time to let the young guys <clears throat> do their thing. And, uh, I still go to ceremonies, sing at ceremonies. They'll always need singers at ceremonies and I'm still learning those ways. So finding always always something new to learn and it's not just with singing not just with wrestling but with life man and on, on our journey we got to learn new stuff and, and i'm all about learning so that's what i'm doing man thanks for having me on and, and like i said i hope you can come on mine someday and talk some more stuff yeah yeah thank you so much wavel yeah um we're all just learning stuff from this life and this journey man it's it's yeah. a long journey and it's a fun one you know and um just got to learn everything you can from it Wavel, thank you so much. Um, do you want to shout out your social medias or anything? Yeah, that you yeah. Want to follow you on. Yeah, man. The best one probably to go to is the Facebook, and you could just search me up there. Wavel starts public profile. Uh, I'm pretty close to loaded up with friends, uh, but anyone can see what's on there. Every post that I make is public. 
uh, all of my all of my social media is actually all wide open. And I and honestly, I suggest to to, to most people to to transition to that. Stop using it as your family album or whatever it is and start using it as your personal branding because 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 that, that that's really what it is man and I, I will tell you like this stuff that we're doing right now it's we're getting better at talking and, and i can feel it when i'm at work and I'm, I'm in a meeting and it comes time to speak i'm not nervous things mm-hmm. roll out so there's some personal and professional development uh that comes from the podcasting thing man so once again thanks a lot for having me Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, you heard it here, everybody. Go follow Wavel Star, man. He is a great, amazing human being. I'm so happy that, you know, he came on a show. We got to talk a little bit about wrestling and what he does and his podcast. And, man, I'm just so stoked that we finally got to do this. And, yeah, bro, I can't wait. You know, hit me up. You know, I'll come on the show and, you know, we'll just talk about anything, bro. Like, I'm so awesome. I'm so open to it. So, yeah. So, thanks again, Wavel. Thank you so yeah. much. And, uh, Yeah, I guess until next time, everybody. Peace. Peace.